Hi, I'm Tony Rollins, and welcome to the new A&ID podcast series, where I get to talk to architects and interior designers from across Australia. I hope you find this as enjoyable and perhaps inspirational as I did. Well, hello and thanks for tuning in. Tony Rollins here, finally out of lockdown. I don't know about you, but I have been incredibly busy during the lockdown and learning new ways to stay busy, as I think we all have. Some of those tricks that we picked up, we're probably going to be still doing years from now. It'll be interesting to see how it works out. My guest today is a lady who's pretty used to having to make the best of the situation. She's a wife and mother to two kids and a designer who I know is obsessed about product and how things work, how things actually fit the project that she's working on. And she's worked on projects from small through to very, very large indeed. But this lady is absolutely meticulous. So let's meet Jasmine Papalia. Hi, Jasmine. Hello. That was such an introduction. Thanks, Tony. <laughs> hey. Well, it's been, is it true you are a bit obsessive, aren't you? I absolutely am. I have to, everyone that knows me knows that I'm ridiculously obsessive and I kind of find it quite hard to let go when it comes to looking at product and things like that. I think it's kind of, once I want to something, I can't stop. Yeah. Look, in, in, in my dealings with you, I've loved it because it's been a consultative process and, and really working towards the direction that you want to go in. But there's been lots of communication, which to me is always the key and which doesn't always happen. So that has been fun. But Let's get back to Jasmine. What got you into this game? How did you start as a designer? Well, so when I finished school, my parents said to me, you are not, my my mum not so much, but I was told by most of the family and, you know, oh, we don't know. And, you know, there's designs, you know, it's so, you know, aloof and it's not really something you've got any surety in, don't do it, pick something else. I was like, no, off I went studying design. And from there, studying design, midway through studying, whilst I was just about to go into my bachelor's, I started hunting around for work experience because I really quickly noticed I want to be on the ground. One of the things about seeing construction, knowing so many people are in construction in my family, I was like, I want to be on the ground. I want to see what's happening. So I got into work experience as quickly as possible managed to get into a small-ish firm, but well-known firm in the East. And it was hardcore. It was straight in, you know, get right in. I started, I was working and studying at the same time, which was great. Felt like two different worlds, to be quite honest. So I did that and kind of stuck it out and um, did my kind of beginning steps there. And I've stuck with it ever since. I know there's been lots of twists and turns along the way, but I've really stuck with it. And, you know, as life happens, you kind of change and keep moving. And 
at some point I ended up just kind of going off on my own and realizing that that's something that really worked for me because the clients slowly started coming and then eventually I got to make that leap into creating my own little business which was scary the timing wasn't perfect but I knew I had to leap and I was something that I've always loved and held on to and yeah yeah how I got here starting your own business is always a bit scary but if you've got any talent it works so yeah. that's the good thing and it worked so in in the family there was a bit of a background in construction anyway we had we I knew people who were connected to my family who had construction and when I think back I've actually got mostly in my family a lot of design I've got on my mother's side um relatives from Italy who were architects my grandmother my nonna she is an artist there's always been that creative push there's always been from my mother's side from my grandmother go do it and so I loved the idea of creating and designing and it was always something that I wanted to really pursue and so it was so hands-on it was so um you could always have that flexibility to be creative but you realise really quickly going into a firm how much paperwork there is, the regulations, the procedures, and you kind of go, oh, man, like this is not what I imagined. And every firm is different. But, yeah, so that creative, that artistic side definitely runs in the family and from design. And I, I always had a little bit of an um, interest in construction and being on the ground. So... Yeah, I, I, I guess that uh, the, the creative side melded with the uh, particularities that, you, that you've got to account for. That's kind of difficult. So the, as you say, all the regulations and, and structure and so forth, melding it back into architecture. Um, it's such an important profession. Because, uh, what I, I, I note with what you do is, is something that I always admire, which I know you work towards, particularly on major projects, a return on investment for the client. Yeah. And that seems to be one of your focuses. Am I right with that? Yeah, definitely. I, I definitely, because going back to like product and understanding what we're doing on a project at all times when it comes to looking at whether it doesn't matter what it is, I want to know that what we're going to do is going to last. It's going to go the distance. I don't want what's on trend. I want something that's good quality. And I want to know, and I want to be able to understand every product and every detail right into install so that we can actually go back and say, we've done a quality job with quality product. And there's always shifting. There's always cost shifting on a project. But I'm really, really particular about where that cost shifting happens. And I'll dig my heels in where I need to dig my heels in. And on other areas, if we need to move, we will. But I will say, you know, to the client, and I'll really emphasise, we need to be able to hold on to what we've got and make sure it's going to last for 10, 20 years. It needs to keep going. I think that expectation is shortening with products on market. I just refuse to settle for it. I just, I think that we need to keep stretching and expect that quality expectation and getting that return back on the project. Yeah, I, I, I think you've just explained your obsessiveness. Yeah. And, uh, and I think it, it relates back to uh, what I consider a core value, which is, in fact, 
value itself. Yeah. Uh, which is a, an odd combination of a whole number of factors, uh, which often get thrown out the window, but yeah. real value results in a reward for the client. Yeah. Frankly. Exactly. Yeah. And tell me, just sort of changing the subject a little bit, are there any designers around the world that inspire you, that you particularly admire their work? Um, you know, I'm always looking at new things. I'm always having a look at what um, is happening, what's out and about. I kind of, there is one, um, Christian Liegle, I always go back to. I've always reverted back to his work from the very beginning, even to now, I've always really respected the way he does things, you know, may he rest in peace. But going back on his projects, I've always loved um, his work. And to be quite honest, I look around the world and what's going on because you you get magazines, you know, you've got access online, you can see everything and anything, it's at your fingertips. Yeah. But I really think that what we've got going on in Australia, like Sydney, Melbourne, you know, Perth, it, like Australia, we have, I still think, <laughs> the best architects and designers here because our design and reach, it's just timeless, it's innovative, it's amazing. And also, like, you can look at other countries, like, I, like go look at Dubai, for example, and you see what's going on, the money and the abundance is insane. Although, you know, we're not on the same level as, like, Dubai, our, in terms of money-wise and what's happening over there, the actual design, the quality and architecture here is amazing. So I'm always referencing architects and designers here. And I think there are some great ones as well. So yeah, Dubai, there's so much really gross work. You know, it's, it's, it's yeah, just it's it's terrible. Whereas it really is some very elegant stuff going on here, both architecturally and in terms of what's happening inside the the yeah the design aspects it's it's quite extraordinary and for a period of my life I was working in the United States and I could not believe how twee some of the stuff was unless it was really upper end mm. and how backward things were of course I'm a bathroom guy as you know and and there they still the majority of toilets over there have still got exposed pipework at the back <laughs> and stuff like this. Yeah. I mean, you could not give it away here. Um, and in some respects, again, even Bath, we're here, is leading the world. Some of the advice we give to the, the guys that manufacture for and with us uh, is taken up and addressed in Europe. Um, yeah. it, it's extraordinary how inventive this country is. And, and, and we're, not so, we're not so, like, I think also you look at, like, larger countries, like, so you've got, let's say, you know, an abundance of money in one country, and then you've got Europe, and they're so connected. They're so connected to everything. Like, everything is a stone hop or a stone throw, I should say. They're quite close to each other. We're all alone down here, and we're having to get the product, bring it down, bring it into our market, make it work, it's a, it's a completely different setup. It's not just sending a truck, it's sending a ship, it's getting it here, it's moving it around. We yeah. have a whole process that we need to look at when we're specifying and include and being able to get access to products in Australia. We've got some cracker brands, as you know, 
and yeah. getting the product here and keeping that standard I think our standards are so high like it's just our standard of design I think is amazing here and what people uh, it, are trying to achieve it, it is I couldn't agree with you more I think it's extraordinary and I, I and I know you and, and and other people in the profession and the the diligence that they show of course the thing that uh great bugbear that's always in the back of my mind is uh, value engineering when that occurs and that is a complete and utter nightmare but that's uh, an yeah. argument for another day it is it's such a big argument and like you know especially coming from me where I've actually been brought on by the client to go over a whole design you know small and very large to say we love this but it's just not going to work and that value engineering comes in and that's why I get obsessive that's why I go I will not do a concept presentation or show a client anything without knowing and I won't have anyone that works with me do it either because I've been in so many meetings where this has happened and go we this is where we want to go and they'll go oh this is great and they love it and then we can't afford it or the budget doesn't allow how much is this we haven't costed it yet. I will not sit in a meeting because understanding product right down to specific concept, like I said before, concept, not putting a marble on there as yeah. an idea or a concept without knowing that that's $1,800 or $500 a metre, how big the slab is, how much it equates to per slab. Same with product. I don't want to get to that point. And I've been brought in on that value engineering and it bugs me because whilst the you know previous designers or architects get upset the client is twice as upset and twice as disappointed so you have to know where to shift and how to specify early on i completely agree i can't stand the value engineering phase i hate being brought in to do it not so much on mine but on others i've been brought in to do it and i'm just like this is just it's you feel so bad for the client well, yeah, and, and and it negates it negates your profession. The bottom of line of which, uh, as I've said before, is I think return on investment, and that's what you know how yeah. to do, and it just doesn't happen. I mean, interestingly, a, a friend of mine up on the Gold Coast, uh, she did a uh, supposedly high end apartment block, and she'd specified some marble to go on the uh, paneling in the elevators. And the value engineer stepped in and wanted to use a laminated picture of the same marble. I mean, it's, it's just it blows indescribable. Yeah, and I think that um, I also think the Australian market are so educated; they know, and they they. It's not kind of a field where you can, it's not getting in a car and, and explaining to someone how an engine works and they can't see it or unless they drive and go, this actually drives really nice. They've got no idea of what's going underneath that bonnet and what's, what's yeah. going on. Design is in your face and people are going, it's tactile. People are going to touch it. People are going to feel it. They're going to, they're going to know. And the moment they think you're duping them or substituting or trying to trick them, they're going to look at every other detail, especially, especially in a lift where you're so close to it. They're going to, yeah. I'm the person that walks around touching everything. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm loving this because you're, you're, you're touching on some of the points that, that I call the intangibles of value, mm. you know, how something feels, how it looks uh, that there is, 
There is value in that. Yeah. Um, I'm going to change the subject a little bit. Now, there you are, a wife and a mother with two little kids. How do you manage this? And how the hell did you manage this with COVID? How I actually started my business, like, I well, I actually took the leap when I was pregnant. And it was like, oh, I'm pregnant, that's it. And I was pregnant with my first. And I thought, I can do this, but I was pregnant at the time. So it was fine working and carrying around a belly, it was nothing. But then when I had my son and he was a newborn, new challenges arose. So it was yeah. kind of things like going to meetings, long meetings with a baby that was six to eight weeks old. And they were really grateful for me being there. But we also had these really funny kind of moments of like, uh, what's it like being on we had a site meeting and our um meeting had gone over it was like it was supposed to be a two-hour meeting and it was a four-hour meeting and anyone with a newborn who's breastfeeding knows you have to feed so the only thing between me my clients and the job site and you know me lactating through my shirt was my high-vis vest and I'm going oh my gosh so I've always kind of had to go okay this is going to be harder than I thought yeah. and carrying a baby around and you know, putting him to sleep, going to meetings, and it's kind of always been that juggle. So when COVID came along, I realised really quickly one really big difference. And the difference was, was because I've worked with larger firms, architectural interiors, and I've actually seen what um, that professionalism, which can kind of be a barrier at times, I found that with COVID, the barrier kind of dropped, the filter. The filters kind of dropped. So it was really nice because clients started to relax a little bit because as you kind of started to have a meeting, you COVID made us reset the expectations with clients as well and kind of reset the goal, like reshuffle the goalposts and say, okay, it's not going to go as smoothly and this is what's going to happen and there are going to be hiccups and there are going to be things that are going to go wrong. There's that People kind of got used to the unpredictability of it all, which was kind of how you, and you just kind of learned to roll with it. So while yeah. you're having a meeting on Zoom, we, I'm quite used to working from home and the office. While you're having a meeting with Zoom, they kind of, you're all in the same pool all of a sudden. We're talking to project managers with their kids screaming in the background. And yeah. you kind of, everyone just got used to, it is what it is. You know, yeah. you get, like expect the unexpected and just keep rolling with the punches. And you, I think people got used to things going from really smooth, really great, turns into a shit show, and then you get back on track. And yeah. I think that's, we not so much adapted, but survived it that way of going, just do our best. Let's just keep moving, you know, roll with yeah. the punches. Yeah, I think we all sort of found that. As, as I said at the beginning, I, I think what's going to be very interesting is what stays with us out of this. And it'll take a little while to figure that out, but I think a fair bit of it will. So some aspects I have not enjoyed. Uh, others I found terrific. I, I, I miss not being able to meet people. I don't have a problem yeah. with Zoom or whatever, but I do love face-to-face. -face. Now yeah. that that's back, yeah, the mix seems to me pretty good. Yeah, I think, and I think people have, a lot of people that I knew were trying to be super professional, they just kind of set those times, but I think so much of it bled into it itself people because you had to shuffle your hours because you've got kids and homeschooling and husbands and 
my husband's in construction as well, a different side of it. But it's, it was just everywhere. And you kind of didn't, everything was bleeding into one. Like you'd be waking up really early to do work because you've got the kids with you. And then you'd be working till God knows what hour. So you'd be tired. You'd be trying to get things done. You'd have the kids there. You know, it was, and then you've got homeschooling. Then you've got the teacher saying, oh, I'm changing tomorrow's class, you know, catch up yeah. to this time. And you're like, seriously, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And you kind of like, oh, you know, like, you know, you're not, it was what it was. And I do miss, um, I think going back to normal, like what you're saying, there's some things that I just was like, okay, I had enough. But I think that human interaction really impacted um, me and, you know, and the projects and being able to be in front of a client and talk to them and, you know, that organic movement you have and that yeah. and change in meetings, it wasn't there anymore. There are nuances that you pick up on that you can't do on yeah. a screen. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I've had to, uh, well, I'm still in the process. I mean, here we are, I think, in week three of, of freedom, inverted commas, and, and I'm relearning what to do with a weekend because in my case, because I didn't have the kids or whatever like that anymore, but uh, I'd, I'd go to bed in the office, I'd wake up in the office, yeah. and every day was really the same. Which yeah. it, So doing five or six hours on a Saturday or Sunday, and there's always work to do, as I'm sure there is for you, it was, it was there, and I'd do it, you know, and I'm suddenly thinking, wait a minute, it's Saturday, maybe I should be doing something else, having fun doing that. All right. Tell me, okay, what advice would you give someone looking at the design profession? Someone up and coming. Up and coming. So someone looking at the design profession, someone up and coming in the industry. Um, I think the only, okay, so there's two things I think that I would say. The first thing is, it doesn't matter where you are or where you start. Um, I, I reflect now and can say this. I didn't, I didn't realize the importance of it back then. Is keep asking questions. It doesn't matter if you're in the library and you're the librarian and it's a shitty job and you're in there meeting with reps doing this. You're at the crux of it, so you're you're getting all that information. You're becoming so valuable even early on getting that information because before you're on a project documenting blue to the desk, client meetings, doing this, relying on a team below you, uh -huh. just at that even beginning part, when you're contacting reps and you're speaking with them, absorb it all, ask the questions, ask every detail, not just what's this, you know, where's it from? Every question keep, doesn't matter how dumb you feel asking the questions, ask them because it's going to save you when you're in front of the client, because you're going to be that safety net for the client with that information. That's number one. Number two is, and I had this with, um, I have this amazing girl that worked with me. She's actually just, I've made her spread her wings and go to a bigger firm. We would have this rule whenever we were in a meeting with a really big architectural firm and we sat with some cracker ones, let me tell you. And I would say to her, you have a voice. I want you contributing. Don't sit there in silence at a meeting, contribute. You belong at this table. doesn't matter what capacity. You belong here. And never, ever be stuck somewhere where you don't have the opportunity to spread your wings and have your voice heard. If you're getting crushed and you're in a firm where you're not feeling you can grow, it's time to move on. 
and find that sweet spot. Find where you're comfortable. If you're not comfortable and you don't feel like you can be authentic, you're never going to grow. You're never going to blossom. Get the information. Yeah. You belong there. You belong at that. Feel worthy enough to sit at that table and bring the information you've learned to the table. That's probably I, the I love that because I, 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 I think there are no dumb questions, but there are dumb answers. There are dumb answers. I think that is just sensational advice. And I think maybe we might just close it there because I hope people listen to that and take that on board. Thank you so much. It's It's been lovely talking with you. And um, yeah, we're going to have to catch up for a cup of coffee oh, soon. Oh, for Jasmine. sure. Thank you You're, so much. Maybe something stronger. Okay. Maybe some, I think I think we've we've ended the coffee era, and I think post COVID we can move on to cocktails. COVID. Yeah, cocktails. we'll sort yeah. something out soon. Okay. Thank, <laughs> Thank you, you, Jasmine. Oh, Thank anytime. you so much. Thank okay. you so much. Bye bye. See you. See you later. Bye bye. bye.